Good morning. This morning's scripture is from Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. And the context of this passage is Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee eating dinner, and he's responding to a comment from another guest. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Luke. All right, I invite you guys to uh, pray with me as we dive into God's word. Oh, Lord, it is good to be here with your people. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be gathered. And uh, Lord, I pray that you be with my heart, that you be with the hearts of those that are here. Lord, would you humble us by your word? Lord, may you speak truth through the words that are written down about testimony of you. Lord, I pray that you be with us as we continue to learn, to grow, as we continue to be equipped and sent to, to be a blessing and in turn be blessed to realize that we are not fully equipped and to be able to go through that process all over again. We thank you, Jesus, for, for this time being gathered together. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So we are getting into a uh, these spiritual rhythms we keep talking about. Right, we keep talking about each and every week we have uh, these great testimonies. Uh, the first week we had uh, Josh and Erica share a little bit about their testimony, share their own uh, spiritual rhythm. And then we talked with the Besslings. They shared what they do as far as their spiritual rhythm. Then we just heard from Sean Price about his spiritual rhythm. So we're talking about all these different spiritual rhythms. And there, there might be some temptation to think, well, why, why are they doing it? Are they just, like, doing it to be, like, flexing on us right now? Like, show off their, you know their great spiritual muscles, or is it to show that, like, we're a better church than the others in, in the Austin area? Well, what's the purpose of getting a new spiritual rhythm into our life? My life's fine. It's great. But one of the things I was thinking about is it's an opportunity for us to be able to be more like Jesus each and every day, right? After the, the resurrection of Jesus, these people got together in the book of Acts, and they started developing these new spiritual rhythms not because they wanted to flex on anybody, right, but because they wanted to be able to share the good news of Jesus to people. And, and this was a way for them to become more like Christ together. And, and this is an opportunity not just for us personally, but it's also for your families and our families. To be more like Jesus is not just for us, but also for your kids and for your kids to look more like Jesus for their communities and their friends in their schools. For, for us, for, for our work friends and, and the people that we get to mingle with each and every week. 
right? To be able to be more like Jesus makes an impact on our community together. And this is why I really love the three words that we have. And uh, it's the three words of this. It says equip, send, and bless. Can we all say this together? Equip, send, bless. And maybe you've heard Pastor Josh talk about this over and over again. You're like, I'm tired of hearing these words. But it's really a rhythm for us to be able to get into as we are continuing to be equipped. We are then sent out into our communities, into our homes, wherever we're going, and go and be a blessing and in turn be blessed too by those opportunities and realize that we are totally not equipped, right? And so we go back and we continue to learn and to grow. And this is really an attempt for us to be able to be more like Jesus. Well, as I was thinking about that, I was like, well, well what does it really take if, if we want to be more like Jesus? What are the two things that we have to take away? And, and it's really simple. If you want to be more like Jesus, you have to, one, know what Jesus said, and two, do more of what Jesus did. It seems really simple, right? Know more of what Jesus said, and the best way for us to be able to learn that is through the scriptures and to do more of what Jesus did, being able to apply that to our lives and into our regular rhythms for us. So we're going to take that and we're going to kind of uh, like just expand that out for us this morning and see what that looks like. And one of the things that we have to ask is, well, if we want to know what, more what Jesus said, then what, what did Jesus actually say? And he was talking with one of the lawyers of the law during this time, and uh, the guy asked him, he's like, hey, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Out of all of these other gr- commandments, what, what is the greatest? And I think Pastor Josh talked about this last week, but we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper. And he says this, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And this is what we call the the, the great commandments. We have something called the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission. We have the great commandments here. And last week, Pastor Josh talked about Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of us? We call that the great requirement. To do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And I think if we take these kind of great commandments to love God and to love others, it can be really easy for us to say, okay, great, that, that's, that's awesome. Okay, but, but, but what next? What does that look like for us to be able to look more like Jesus each and every day? How, how can I love God and love others? And I think this parable that Jesus gives to us helps us to frame it in a way for us that's, that's both challenging and also exciting for us as we dive into this. And one of the things that I love about this is maybe you guys were sitting there as you guys were reading this, and you're like, I don't really understand what this says. And this is the beautiful part about Scripture is that we don't just kind of wash over it. We get a chance to be invited into the Scriptures and, and to read and to reread the Scriptures over and over again. And to be surrounded by a community of people that, that's also challenged by it together to be able to grow and to dive deeper. So we're going to read this scripture. And I love uh, what Luke said because he was spot on as far as the context of this. Jesus is during this time is actually at a dinner party with all these other Pharisees. And they're hanging out. And one Pharisee makes this snarky comment. And he says this. He says, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Amen. 
right? This, this Pharisee was filled with such pride that, that all of his other Jewish friends and leaders were going to be able to feast at the kingdom of God and, and leave all the other people out of it. You see, the Pharisees thought that they were the ones doing the right thing and filled with righteousness, and they were following all these laws that they created for themselves while missing the guy who's really inviting people to the party, Jesus himself. And so Jesus addresses this in a parable. And one of the things that you have to understand about some of these parables is some of the parables that Jesus gives, that they have meaning to them, right? All these parables have meaning. It's the reason why he shares it. But this one specifically... It's kind of more like, um, like a joke. How many of you guys like jokes? Um, I'm not saying Jesus is joking with them. He's very serious. But similar to the, to the concept of a joke where, you know, the goal of a joke is to make people laugh. Thank you. Good job. Yeah, the point of a joke is to make people laugh, right? The, the point of this parable is to instill a, a reaction out of the Pharisees. So there's kind of a moment where, where Jesus kind of turns it on them and gives them more of like a punchline and, and makes it like elicit a response out of the people who are hearing it for the very first time. Okay, so we're going to reread through this again. And so we're going to read this together and just kind of break this down. So Jesus replies, so a certain man was preparing a, a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. And this is my favorite. It's so funny. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go see it. Um, unless you live in California and are moving to Austin, normally you'd go see the land before you buy it, right? Yeah. Uh, so he's like, please excuse me. Okay. So that's the first ridiculous excuse. But another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. W- wouldn't you want to see how they function before you buy them, Right? And then still another said, this is my favorite, I just got married, so I can't come. Right? I mean, did you hear how ridiculous this is? Fellas, you can't use this excuse to get away from something, right? You can't say, oh, I'm married, I can't, I can't make it to something, right? Oh, the servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still more room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. I don't know if you caught the punchline there, but the Pharisees, the the, the people of Israel, were the ones that were originally invited to the banquet. And all throughout Scripture, if you go through the Old Testament, you see this battle that's happening between God and Israel, and so many times Israel's unfaithful to God, and they keep making up all these different excuses and all these different reasons to not follow God. They're following after false idols, they're doing their own thing. They're intermingling with different cultures and giving in to different religions, and they're not following after. They're not caring for the poor, the widows, the orphans. And over and over again, God is trying to bring this promise to his people, and it gets to the point where the Pharisees create all these different laws in order to satisfy themselves, but 
Instead, they're actually being hypocrites to the very faith that God has instilled in them. And they're rejecting this promise that comes from Jesus when he, when he comes to earth and he's continuing to minister to them and saying, guys, like, I'm the guy. I, I'm the Messiah that you've been waiting for for such a long time. Come, come and feast. Come be with me. And over and over again, these Pharisees continue to put up roadblocks, keep them from them. And then the servant goes out to the blind, the sick, the lame, and he's ministering to them. Doesn't that sound like Jesus, right? Jesus is with the people caring for them. And then he says, go out into the countryside to to all people to come to this party because my house is still not full yet. Right? The, the promises of God were for the people of Israel during that time, but they kept making up excuses. And it was invited for all those who were originally outside of this covenant promise. And Jesus says, I'm going out to the nations, and I'm going to bring them in. And this is what I love about the, the, the gospel of Luke. Because all throughout the entire gospel, if you were to read it from front to back, it is filled with all of these different people that Jesus interacts with and the gospel is being proclaimed to. If you go through from start to finish, you see uh, the, the Gentiles are hearing the promises of Jesus. The Samaritans, people who are completely just out of, like, ostracized by the Israel people during time. The Romans, who were the enemies of the state. People who were demon-possessed. Uh, women got to hear this gospel promise. Children were invited to come to Jesus. The poor, the sick, the lame. And a couple, in a chapter later, you get to hear the lost stories about people who are lost and far off from God are brought near by Jesus. And what Jesus helps us to understand is To to love people means to spend time with those and and to care for them. And so how how are you being formed to look more like Christ? Because the gospel of Jesus is, is radically inclusive. Like like radically inclusive to a point where it's almost uncomfortable. And, and here's, here's the punchline. Who is the promise of Jesus for? It's not just, not just for all people, but, but each and every person. John 3.16, for God so loved, what? The, the world. Not, not just everyone collectively, but each and every person including the people that we find offensive in our culture. Okay, you ready for the punchline? The, the promises of Jesus, when we, when we look at it in, in, in 2022, the promises are for homeless people that are under the bridge. The, the, the promises of Jesus are for left-wing liberals The promises of Jesus are for the right-winged Republicans. The promises of Jesus are for LGBTQIA plus people. The promises of Jesus are for people that fight for and against critical race theory being taught in schools. The promises of Jesus are for your in-laws. The the promises of Jesus are for people who, who don't even believe that God exists. For, for atheists, 
and people that run away from God as far as possible. That's, that's quite a punchline. That, that kind of hurts. And, and what I'm not saying is that, that Jesus tolerates and ignores all other behaviors of those who might reject God's word and God's promise because he talks about it right after this. He says, hey, I want you guys to count the cost of what it means to follow after me. The the cost of discipleship means that you have to give up everything in order to receive everything, and that includes each and every one of us. What, What I am saying, though, is that the promises of God is for all people, even though people might reject him. This radical inclusivity of the gospel of Jesus, of him laying down his life, is not just for the people who show up at church on Sundays, but the people who make us wildly uncomfortable in places and spaces that we would feel like we wouldn't even want to interact with them, with the people that we interact with through social media or through text, or people that we tend to ignore or block because we don't like what they're saying. The promises of Jesus are for those people and us. Not separated, but for us. And Jesus says, come to the table, come to this house and feast. No matter what you look like, no matter what your background is, I'm coming to make all things new, and the way that I'm doing it is I'm bringing all people in. It's an invitation. And and if you heard Jesus talking like this about the the great banquet in this way, you might want to end up killing Jesus too. If it's that offensive and that gut-wrenching to hear this message of the radical inclusivity of Jesus bringing all people together, there are people that I don't like that I might say, Jesus, I might walk away or even find a way to get you murdered, which is what they end up doing. The gospel is offensively good news to people who desperately need to hear it. And the people who don't think they need to hear it are exactly the people that need to hear Jesus' words and to turn and to repent, which means to change your thinking. You see, the punchline of Jesus' parable is that his promises are for those who don't even deserve it. And I'm not just saying them but us. The promises of Jesus are are for us, even when we don't deserve it, in our sin and in our brokenness, in our minds. When when you woke up this morning, you're like, I got to go to church so early. Nine o'clock is so early. Why'd they move to nine nine o'clock instead of 930? Or, Or your kids are acting just a mess and they're completely mismatched. And you're like, I don't know. The promises of Jesus are are for you. No matter what happened on Saturday night, if you end up going to that wild party that you didn't want to write about in the morning show, the promises of Jesus are for you too. So what does this mean for us then? If, If we know what Jesus said, and if we want to be more like Jesus, then the next thing we have to talk about is do more of what Jesus did. What does this look like for us? This this radical inclusivity of Jesus means that the people who don't seemingly deserve God's love and acceptance still receive it anyways, including us. That's just the nature of who God is. 
He is, he is gracious and, and merciful and full of love and forgiveness. And, and does he challenge us? Absolutely. Does he cause us to turn and to look at our own decisions and things that we've done in the past and to say, here's an open invitation for you to learn more about who I am? Absolutely. And I just thought about this. What, what if Christians lived every day as an invitation to the promises of Jesus? What, what if we lived every day hearing these words that Jesus is saying? He says, he says go, out to, go out to the countryside. Go out to the road and invite everyone in. What, what if we invited everyone from Leander, Cedar Park, Round Rock, Marble Falls, Liberty Hill, Austin, Georgetown, the, the, the places that you guys find yourselves and you create an invitation for people to say, come and join this great banquet because, because Jesus is radically inclusive and he loves to have people come and to hear about his word and who he is. What, what if we lived every day as, as the party people to celebrate all that Jesus has done for us and our neighbors? I think I have some volunteers to hand out some things because I don't want to be the only one wearing one of these things. It gives me a double chin every time I wear these, but it's fine. I can't just leave the party to myself with these party hats, but what if, what if we lived every day as party people, knowing the promises of Jesus are for people in this radically inclusive gospel that he gives to us each and every day. I love it because some of y'all are looking around like, like, what's happening? My favorites are the baby sharks. Uh, online people, if you need a party hat, you could probably find one in your closet or somewhere because I know y'all have them. Y'all are definitely party people. What if every day we lived as the, as the party people to celebrate all that Jesus has done for us and for our neighbors and for our community? And this is how we're equipped. Oh my gosh, I love this. I feel like I'm invited to a party. And, and that's the point, that, that Jesus is inviting us to this great banquet to be able to celebrate from people from all over the place, no matter what we look like or our culture, this radical inclusivity of the gospel is for us and for the people who seem like they don't deserve it and for the people that we think don't deserve it. And this is how, how we're equipped to, to be sent, to be a blessing, and to be blessed. And in turn, realize that we are woefully unequipped, as Pastor Josh would say, to go back and be equipped to learn more about the promises of Jesus that are for us, to know what Jesus said and to do the things that Jesus did as well. And one of the really cool things, and I'm, I'm absolutely going to take a picture of y'all because y'all look ridiculous. Um, not ri like ridiculously cool. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. What's amazing is that uh, we have our metaphorical party hats on every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Th this banquet is is a feast for all to come and to receive Jesus. And when Jesus comes and he shares himself, he gives all of himself. Through his body and through his blood and simple bread and wine. No matter what location you're from, Liberty Hill, Leander, Cedar Park, Marble Falls, Georgetown, Austin, California, no matter where you come and where you're from, Jesus says, come, come to the table and receive. 
One of the cool things I got to do last week with Pastor Josh was get our students together to do First Communion. It's the first time receiving Jesus' body and blood together. And students that were with their families that they know and they love and people that they don't know yet. And it's this great picture of when we take communion, when we come up and receive Jesus' body and blood, when you look to your left and to your right, there might be people that you may not like in this church or people that have taken communion in other places that you may not fully agree with or have different backgrounds and different experiences. And yet Jesus' radical inclusivity of the gospel says, come and receive. You who don't deserve it still come and receive because it's my grace given out to you. So church, before we, well, let's pray. And then afterwards, let's party. Let's pray together. Lord, I... (laughs) Lord, we continue to look ridiculous in this world because of your your gospel message. Father, for those that that feel so far off from your word and from the promises of you, that, that you love them and that you lay down your life for them, Father, I pray that you would use us as your party people as an invitation to hear the promises of Jesus that are for each and every one of us and each and every one of those who feel like they don't deserve it. Because, Lord, they're right. They don't deserve it. And it's by your grace that you invite them in. Father, I pray that we would be party people. That as we experience this banquet at the Lord's Supper with with Jesus' body and blood, that we would be empowered to go out to our communities, to go out to our homes, to go out to the places that feel so uncomfortable that that oftentimes we find ourselves in arguments with and, and we would be able to proclaim the promises of your son. Father, I thank you so much that you have called us to be a people of your own. And that's not by our works, but it's what you continually do in and through us. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said,